Hello everyone and welcome to the first edition of uh, the new Eurohoops uh, podcast, the Eurohoop pod. Uh, I'm Antonis Progilakis, one of the editors of the English edition of Eurohoops and we will be with you uh, each week with a new podcast, hopefully with uh, a guest, a player with whom we will discuss uh, anything Euroleague uh, related. My co-host will be Antigone Zahari. Antigone, hello. Hello there. Hello, Adigoni and me, we will host its uh, Eurohoops uh, podcast, its weekly Eurohoops uh, podcast. We will provide you with uh, details, analysis, information uh, and uh, overall input of what took place uh, in the Euroleague games of each round. Sometimes, of course, we will have, uh, I don't know, maybe, Adigoni, if you are up to it, we will see how this will develop. We may have uh, two Euroleague, uh, two Eurohoops podcasts, two Eurohoop pods each week because you know this is Euroleague and we have 18 teams this season so we will right. have the double uh, game weeks Adigoni not a bad idea because of the double game weeks yes I think it will be a necessity now for our first show of the season we have very two really 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 uh, special guests Yanis uh, Ramas for the Greek edition of your hoops hello John hello everyone Yanis Ramas, and we also have Alex Madrid, head of the Spanish edition of Eurohoops. Alex, hola. Hello, guys. Hola. After hola. having Kyle Hines, um, I don't know, Nigel Williams goes. Now, this is the, the, two, the two guys you invite to the show, but okay, doesn't matter. Hold on. What, what do you think about Nigel Williams goes? On last year, you had in the in the show uh, Nigel Williams goes, Kyle Hines, Boyan Dublevich. Now your your guests are uh, John Ramas and Alex Madrid. Okay, yeah, but we really appreciate <laughs> you guys. I mean, we, we value your opinions. We consider you highly, highly, highly esteemed guests. Uh, so we are happy to have you. Yeah, but uh, jokes aside, uh, we will have hopefully Kyle Hines and Boyan Dublevich and Nigel Williams goes again this season as our guests and many more Euroleague uh, players. So, uh, I don't know, Alex, uh, I don't know if you can uh, dunk the ball uh, like uh, Kyle Hines or defend players or pass like Nigel Williams goes, but uh, we should... I have to say that I used to dunk when I was uh, like 16 or 17, but now... And how high, and how high was the hoop, Alex? Give us the... uh, no, no, it, it was a, a real hoop. It was a good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. no, the, the problem, I, I I blame everything to the pandemic thing. So that's why I can't now. Yeah, now I'm and, hot. yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we all believe you. I think we all believe you that you, you were ducking next thing. I, you... I, will, I will find videos and I will show you. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. You're no, only no evidence, no party. <laughs> so... well, uh, let's move on. <laughs> Okay, let's let's move on because you're going to hear many crazy things before we officially begin this podcast and we are just in our first show. So anyway, uh, Eurohoops uh, outside basically, yes. We just posted the first power rankings of the season with just two days remaining before the launch of the new Euroleague, Euroleague uh, regular season. John Ramas had the courtesy to, to write as every year to compile the list of the power rankings. Uh, John, uh, was it easy for you this year? Uh, it's uh, never easy, Adonis. Uh, yeah. 
keep in mind uh, there are uh, 18 teams I have to evaluate in five different areas, so that's a, that can't be easy. Uh, having said that, uh, uh, I'm guessing you all, you've all read it, the volume one of the power rankings. Uh, when I posted it, and the EuroLeague uh, posted as well in their uh, official site, it's easy to write uh, something for uh, any team. The difficulty is to evaluate five different areas, and the, in those five different areas, the, di the most difficult, the most difficult one is the status area. I mean, uh, I have uh, five different areas: quality of the roster, chemistry, status, transfer moves, and how far will they go? Yes, indeed. When you see the quality of the roster, you see the roster, you see the quality of it. Uh, you see the chemistry. Uh, you see who stayed back, who left, and who came. Uh, you see all the play, all the players that arrived. Did they fill every spot they needed? Are the uh, is every roster stacked? The how far will they go is uh, very subjective, and it's the most easy one. But the most difficult one is the status, because uh, let's say, since I'm Greek, let's say, how do you evaluate, evaluate Panathinaikos status? I don't know that's a question. <laughs> how, how do you how, I... how do I avoid Panathinaikos? Says, man, uh, seriously, you know, you posing me, you are posing this question to me, and I instantly realized how difficult was it for you to make uh, to make every season's power ranking because it's a huge question mark. I mean, you know, Panathinaikos is Panathinaikos is the most successful team uh, in the modern Euroleague era and one of the most uh, successful Euroleague teams ever in existence. But, uh, you know, uh, truth be told, they were bad last season. Not even mediocre, they were bad. They finished, what, at the 16th place? What was the position? I don't even remember. Yeah, I think yeah, but, so. I think but so. when someone uh, reads the power rankings and sees Panathinaikos with uh, number seven in the status, he's going to object. And they're going to okay. say, I mean, Panathinaikos seven, come on, they're going to say. <laughs> yeah. But Pana hasn't uh, reached the final four since uh, 2012. And the last year they bombed. So that's the most difficult one because almost every other area is totally subjective. The status has to, I have to consider many things. Uh, counting uh, everyone's opinion. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I, can, I can see, for example, why you put uh, you gave a grade uh, six. To to a grade seven to Panathinaikos status because uh, let's face it they are not the team they used to be they have to fight their way back against the playoffs that's a start for now and then possibly to you know a powerhouse status again because they are not a powerhouse they haven't been a powerhouse in ages the same applies for uh, Olympiakos for example to take the other uh, Euroleague team on the other hand I can see why you put Bayern Munich on seven the same status as Panathinaikos, you know, because Bayern, their basketball department at least, doesn't have the history of Panathinaikos, of course, but they are, they are they are entering this new season as a playoff team, not only as a playoff team, but a playoff team who forced a five-game series against Milano, and if it wasn't for a great defense by Kyle Hines, they could have been in the Final Four. So I understand how fluid is the situation with the status. For its team, I, I, I think Bayer has a seven because actually Andrea Trinqueri uh, should have like a ten 
or at 11 if, if he was a, a team. He's, he's amazing. And yeah. That's why... you, you know, John, yeah, you should have put Andrea Tricchieri, X-Factor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should consider coaches uh, next season. Yeah, that, that's an interesting uh, thought. Uh, speaking of the power rankings, uh, John, uh, I'm watching the transfer moves and uh, you gave a really good grade to Zenit. They made a lot of transfer moves. Transfer moves. They didn't really pick a, pick up a superstar. At least the player we, that we consider a superstar. We don't know if Sabas Napier will, will evolve into a basketball superstar. But they made really uh, many transfer moves. Really many many interesting transfer moves. You didn't give a ten to any team on the transfer moves uh, department. So no team uh, received the perfect grade. Actually, the only 10 that you have in this power ranking is FS Chemistry. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, how, ca- how couldn't I not? I mean, uh, uh, they, di- they lost uh, uh, Sertaxan Lee, yeah. and uh, yeah. that's only that's one it. of uh, a forester of uh, 14 or 15 players. Well, I mean, they, they lost two players in two seasons. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing, yeah. And you know, on the other hand, you have uh, if you have the you know you have the transfer moves eight on first because basically they didn't sign and they only signed uh, Philip Petrusev. That was the only you know the only main new addition because they they preferred and rightfully so to keep their players. They said the Philip Petrusev, the reigning ABBA League MVP, who is still young, he has shown some uh, a promising sample in the in the preseason game so far, but he still has. You know, to show us what he can do when the actual Euro games begin. And that's a completely different area, bigger beast. For uh, there is a saying in Greece: "Omada pkerdizi ven alazi." Team that doesn't, that always wins, doesn't uh, need to change. Indeed. And uh, that's what the FS is doing. I mean, uh, I can't blame her. She's got her get money in the bench for so many years. Uh, Larkin's misses is uh, the best one to punch in the Euro League. Uh, I mean. Uh, If I could, I would put more on chemistry for FS. Yeah, 11, 11 10 plus, something like that. And uh, I want to mark something because uh, when you said earlier about Bayern, uh, I opened the tab and I read the last year's volume one of the power rankings. Bayern last year was uh, on the bottom, was 18th place. Wow. And they finished, wow. and they finished fifth in the regular season. And, uh, missed uh, out on the final four in game five and uh, I want to make clear that uh, uh, the power rankings are for how teams are supposed to begin the season because uh, yeah. let's say who have got the uh, number uh, 18 this year Alba Berlin is Alba Berlin let's say they start on 5-0 next month they'll be close to I don't know number 10 number nine. They change all the time because uh, it's it's not just the standings; it's everything as the as the season goes. Uh, sorry, to, uh, let me let me put it differently. You have basically you have Alba Berlin tied with uh, Cervena Zvezda, Asvel, uh, and Asvel. But uh, you you put uh, Alba Berlin low, lower for a reason. Yeah, I don't see Coach Renes. Uh... On the bench anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is going to be a, a completely new, different coach for Alba Berlin, Israel Gonzalez. 
Uh, although he was uh, on the bench along to coach Renesses in the past years, I mean, uh, coach Renesses, how can I say, is a basketball guru, can I say that? Is that yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> if you can't say it for Renesses, for who you can say it, definitely okay. basketball guru. When they say uh, the past two years, I was watching Alba games, and uh, I believe it was the team to watch. If you get my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah really, a really funny game. Really funny basketball. I mean, if a Greek team uh, tried to do that in the Euroleague, I believe a war would start. <laughs> they would crucify I mean, them. They would, come on. It yeah, to, to, happen. To, to it play for happen. the love of the game and not for the result. I mean, of course, they, they played to win, but uh, it's a totally different thing. And they and they won. I mean, they are the back. The, let's not forget that they are the back-to-back uh, German League champions. On the domestic level, they won. Yeah, Euroleague is a different matter, but they did win, but they won in Germany, not in Euroleague. So, um, Adigoni, uh, What is your prediction regarding the playoffs? I mean, uh, for those who haven't yet read the power ranking, let's uh, put it to them. Uh, John has picked Maccabi Tel Aviv at the eighth place, Zenit St. Petersburg at the seventh place. Again, I repeat, this is not a prediction of the playoffs. It's the status, how 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 the teams are ranked now for John. We have Maccabi Tel Aviv at the eighth place. Zenit is seventh. Olympia Milano is sixth, one of the, let's not forget, one of the final four teams of the previous season. Real Madrid is fifth. We have Fenerbahce, Fenerbahce Beko at the fourth place, a team that was in the final four. And then we have Ceseca Moscow, Barcelona, and of course, reigning Euroleague champion Anadolu Efes in the first place. Adigoni, do you think that these teams will end up making the playoffs or there will be someone else, you know, sneaking in? When I was first reading the rankings, I had a few question marks. I have written down the entire rankings that John put up. And my two question marks on the top eight spots are Zenit and Maccabi for different reasons. Um, Maccabi has really have to bounce back this season because uh, the last few years haven't been the most successful in terms of results. I mean, last season, it was one of their worst, probably, in the recent Euroleague years. It was. And the question mark about Zenit is um, how the team will react now with Kevin Pangos uh, out of the way and how the balance and the chemistry will work out in the end in order to make the playoffs. So I that is uh, one big question. To put a parenthesis, a parenthesis, sorry guys, a parenthesis about Maccabi, we're talking about the two seasons that finished because if the coronavirus didn't happen, Maccabi would have made the playoffs in 2020. Yes, exactly. So, but uh, unfortunately, you know, we had the COVID and uh, we didn't see anything of how this season would develop. Alex, what were you about to say? Sorry, man, I interrupted you. No, it doesn't matter. I, I was saying that Tunisia uh, has to check how Savage Napier comebacks uh, from the injury because uh, right now they, they have Franca uh, not injured but almost and also they have uh, Napier out for at least a month. So uh, those first games will be really interesting because they will have to find a way to, to, to win games without their probably best player. 
Yes, and uh, just I think for Zenit, I know that they are looking for a player. There are some names, some names on their shortlist, but they haven't made uh, a move so far. They are not, you know, very anxious to find the replacement. The thing, the thing about Zenit is that they have Xavi uh, Pascual has a lot of weapons in other positions and can really modify the game of Zenit. I mean, they have so many big guys that can take over. And so many big guys that can also, you know, create for themselves, like Jordan Mickey, for example. They have some guys who can take over the scoring and provide the temporary offensive solution until they find something really good uh, to, I repeat, temporarily replace Sabre's uh, Napier. And uh, yes, Conor Franca is injured, but it's uh, not something serious. It's not as serious, at least, as it was about Napier. So anyway, it would be interesting to see Conor Franca, you know, taking over perhaps a more sub substantial role uh, with uh, Napier uh, out. And who knows, you know, Xavi might trust him more and who knows, Franca may, may earn more minutes when, uh, even when uh, Napier comes back. Adigoni, I, I see what you're saying about Zenit. And uh, yes, it will all be decided by, it will be, many things will be decided on how Napier performs. Alex, how do you see the power rankings? Uh, especially the playoffs. Yeah, uh, the playoffs. Say, about the playoffs, yeah. Yeah, I have to say that I put uh, two teams on my list that doesn't appear among the top eight. Uh, I I have to say that I really trust, uh, first of all, Olympiacos after the moves they made during the summer. We know that without the Spanish list, it's going to be hard, especially for the first months. But uh, I have to say that um, with Tyler Dorsey, uh, with Wallacup, with Fall, I think they really improved the roster, and it's, it's. I think it's. Uh, they have to be in the playoffs. That's why the the, the moves they they made, and uh, the other team I, I chose it is Basconia because I, I feel that uh, the same. They move uh, they move really well in the in the summer, and we have to check if Wade Baldwin can reach the level he showed last last year. You know, Basconia moved really well uh, over the summer, but so, but so did Fenerbahce, right? Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, Fenerbahce, I have Fenerbahce among the, 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 the top teams. No, I'm mentioning Fenerbahce, Fenerbahce when it comes to what, what, uh, how well they moved and how, how did this affect Basconia? Yeah, true, true. Basconia yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I feel like um, Basconia found a good replacement for, uh, first of all, Pieria Henry and then uh, for Achille Polonara, because I, I feel like their big, big guys this year are better than, than last year. Yes, and we have seen, uh, you, you are talking about uh, Steven Enoch, for example. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a guy that uh, it's probably under the radar because uh, no one uh, has seen him playing in a top level in Europe, but he, he showed something last year in, in the Spanish league. And I feel like he can be the, the main center for Basconia. He will probably start at, after Noko, but uh, with, uh, with the pass of time, he will probably be the, the, the guy to go in the, in the center position. Well, for now, Basconia will have to, to cope without Rogas, uh, Rogas Gendraitis, a major absence, and maybe without uh, Alex Alec Peters. Peters is questionable for the Euroleague opener against Olympiacos. Peter's out. Peter is out. Uh, the, Peter the one is out. Questionable, yeah, the one who is questionable is, is Roca Hidratis. Okay, it's the, it's the complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Alex. It's the complete opposite of what I said. 
But still, Peters is out, is, is a serious absence. Uh, one of the best power forwards in last season's EuroLeague, and Rokas Gedraitis, uh, uh, one of the best small forwards. In general, these two guys, the, the combination was on the, one of the best uh, package of forwards in last season's EuroLeague, very dangerous offensive players. And if, if they are both out, Basconia loses a serious dose of firepower, of uh, three-point uh, power against Olympiakos. And uh, yeah, uh, obviously that sucks for uh, Basconia to travel to Piraeus when they won last year, actually. And Olympiakos, of course, will be eager uh, not only to begin the new EuroLeague season with a win, but also to take some form of revenge against Basconia for last season's loss. Speaking of Olympiakos, I agree with you that uh, I expect them to, to be at least serious contenders for the playoffs. They definitely corrected some mistakes on the roster. First of all, they finally got a shooter uh, by getting Tyler Dorsey on board. They finally got uh, a solid backup for, uh, for Kostas Lucas. And we're talking about Thomas uh, Walkup. Really, really, really solid guard, uh, good facilitator, very good defender, and uh, a guy who can do a lot of things uh, on the court. So, yeah, uh, these two players and, of course, uh, uh, Fall are major upgrades for uh, the Greek side. But again, everything, the, the court is the biggest, um, uh, everything will be shown on the court. So, well, I uh, feel like, I feel like after the well, uh, the money they spend during the summer, I think, and after the the seasons without playing the playoffs, this year is mandatory for them to 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 go to postseason. Yeah, and you know, Olympiakos also took into account the fact that they are returning to the Greek league, which is a really big news, and uh, they have also taken this into account that they have uh, they are obligated to have uh, a stronger uh, I don't know roster depth, maybe in order you know to juggle both the Greek League and the EuroLeague, something that they didn't have to do last year. They only had the EuroLeague games to play, so they weren't as tired as other teams were. And, uh, you know, the, the domestic games are a bit uh, a complicated situation for EuroLeague teams. Players don't have, sometimes they don't have the same motivation as they do in EuroLeague. Uh, it, it's complicated. You know, Georgos Barzokas gave a very interesting interview to Europe last year, uh, where he addressed these matters. So. From the power rankings, let's go to our other controversial, as usual, feature, the top 100. Uh, for those who didn't, who didn't check the top 100, let me just update you on uh, our top 10 players. Uh, at least we have Nicolo Melli at the 10th position. Nicolo Melli, who is returning to EuroLeague after two seasons in the NBA that, that pretty much were like uh, as if they didn't happen for Melli. Uh, he will forget them, uh, everyone will forget about them. Corey Higgins is at the ninth position. Will Klaber of Jessica Moscow is eighth. Uh, Eddie Tavares from Real Madrid is seventh. Jan Veseli holds the sixth spot. Uh, his teammate Nando Tecolo is fifth. And the big four, Mike James. Uh, we, we added him at the very last time. Late addition, yeah. He made the deadline, uh, but because honestly, uh, we were we were beginning to compile the, the top 100, and I was beginning to write uh, some text for the players when Monaco announced uh, his addition. Saint Larkin is on the third position, last year's number one Saint Larkin, and uh, Nikola Mirotic is still second. And the number one is of course Vasily Mitic, Euroleague MVP, Final Four MVP, Euroleague champion. 
member of the All Europe first team. Uh, he won everything that there is to win, and uh, there was uh, Mitic was was the only player that uh, the group of editors, including yours truly, uh, agreed on. On who is <laughs> we instantly all agreed that Mitic should be number one, and then we proceeded picking the rest of the players and ranking them. Adigoni, you weren't among the group of editors that uh, picked and ranked the players. So, go nuts, please. Curse, curse on us. <laughs> Say anything you want on us. What would you do differently in this top 100? Well, uh, first of all, I must say that picking the top 100 is always a tough job. So props to you guys for managing to do that because I know it gets crazy. So many players to evaluate. So much backlash sometimes on uh, the social media platforms. But um, my most obvious swap, let's say, would be Corey Higgins with uh, Jan Vesely. I would put Corey Higgins at number six and place Vesely at number nine. I know Fenerbahce fans might not like me right now, but... They probably don't, yeah, yeah. They, they have written yeah. you off right now. You know, next time that you will praise a Fenerbahce player, they will, uh, you'll be cool again. Continue. <laughs> don't, don't you love, uh, wait a minute guys, don't you love when you write on, on Twitter Fenerbahce and like uh, 10 guys from Fenerbahce are responding to your tweet? I love that. I have to It's say. true. They're the most <laughs> interactive fans, I think. So, uh, Vesely uh, in the place of Higgins. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Honestly, uh, yeah, you know, Uh, it's it's complicated the top 100 and the, even the 10th post i mean uh, positions from uh, 51 to 100 there are, sometimes the differences are are ridiculous i mean what's the difference between the player who is uh, i don't know 68 and the player who is 69 there's no actual actual difference and uh, let's say it again the this the, uh, the top 100 doesn't show who is better than someone else It all, it all uh, has to do with, of course, the quality, the individual quality of each player, but it has also to do with the role he has on the team, uh, the responsibilities he has on the floor, how well does he does with, uh, with his responsibilities, and how much uh, has he helped his team towards uh, a goal. I mean, uh, we received a lot of backlash for putting uh, Wade Baldwin, who basically uh. had, who had one really, really, really good Euroleague season, uh, higher than Kostas Lukas, who is a former Euroleague champion, a former All-Euroleague team uh, member. But it's a fact, it's a fact that uh, Wade Baldwin helped, he, he and Vladimir Lucic, who also made the top 20, he and Vladimir Lucic helped Bayern Munich make the playoffs. And the fact was that Kostas Lukas, for various reasons, uh, he wasn't able to help Olympiakos reach the players and we're not saying it was his fault Olympiakos had many problems but we had to reward the success of a team and how pivotal was Wade Baldwin in this success how much important was for Bayern Munich that made the players for the first time in the history of the club John, Alex, I don't know if you have any thoughts about uh, the top 100 how it, uh, it evolved and how it uh, came out I love, I have to say that I love when when I interviewed Sergio Yul uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> and we made a, a spoiler uh, about his ranking. 
I have to say that he had it in a good mood and more or less uh, he said that he will show during the season that he should be higher. So that's the thing I want to I want to add because he was uh, really kind when I told him that he was uh, 48. <laughs> Yeah, Sergio Yulu was 48 because uh, the idea about Sergio Yulu 48, and um, I'm saying because I wrote the text about Yulu, uh, uh, the idea about Yulu, uh, and I think that uh, most of the guys who picked the place and uh, and made the ranking agreed on this was that, and it's a fact, Alex, I think you agree on this, he wasn't consistent at all last season. He had no, huge no. ups and downs. But I, I feel like this season, uh, well, I wrote to uh, last week and I thought that maybe playing at the shooting guard uh, may be the ideal position for him. But let's see, let's see. Uh, if I if I tell you the truth, I hope uh, he answers the tweet uh, in April and say, I should be at least top 20. Yeah, yeah, that's good. John, any thoughts? Uh, man, man I, I still can't believe you put Mike James at number four. <laughs> you know, you know, for uh, for the for the for the inside, uh, this is an inside joke because uh, you know, John, <laughs> John probably. That I have a I have a soft spot. I have a soft spot for Mike James, and uh, I kept I kept saying to you, make room for Mike James. He's gonna sign to Euroleague team, and then he did. Yeah. And, uh, on the serious part, uh, when I because uh, the. Later on the season, I'm gonna write the MVP ladder for the Euroleague. Uh, when I decide how to rank them up, I take the player out of the team to see how will the team perform without him. That's how I determine who's the who's the MVP and who's number one, who's number two, who's number three. Having said that, I would swap Nikola Mirotic and Mike James, the number two and four place. I can see if Mike James, <laughs> if Mike James uh, uh, would have gone on a not a rookie team like, uh, like Monaco, let's say he would go to Basconia, I believe he, he should be number two. Well, uh, believe... honestly, the, the reason that Mike James was uh, number four, I mean, uh, we we also had a discussion. If you guys remember that, uh, where would Mike James be in the beginning uh, of the of the making process for the top 100? And when Mike James was was a free agent, I mean, maybe he was just practicing with Jessica at that moment, but he wasn't an actual member of the Jessica squad. We had a discussion on how high Mike James would rank in the top 100. Then, of course, he did sign with Monaco, and we had to 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 sneak him in after the top 100 was was decided. So anyway. Yes, I can see that, you know, and we also had a lot of discussion regarding Nikola Mirotic because let's face it, you know, Nikola Mirotic had an excellent regular season, but his performance, the quality of his performance plummeted in the playoffs. Alex, I think you agree with this. Yeah, and I agree. Well, I think that Barca won't be happy because now we made uh, Shane Larkin angry, probably, and he will punish Barcelona <laughs> once again. So, <laughs> I think that Milotic will be even okay if we put him on the third place and Shane Larkin leaves them alone for, for a while. A reason why, you know, the mark that was checked and uh, Nikola Milotic went higher than Shane Larkin is the fact that 
Nikola Mirotic is the undisputed leader of Barcelona. While uh, Shane Larkin, at this point, he would be a leader on any EuroLeague team, but uh, at this point, I, I can't say he's the number two, necessarily, of Anadolu FS. Uh, FS has, you know, two leaders, but he's not the leader of FS. Nicola Mirotic, on the other hand, is the leader of Barcelona, and that was one main factor that tipped the scales in favor of him instead of Shane Larkin. Shane Larkin, of course, had by far a more successful season than... You, you should ask in Barcelona if they agree, because uh, I have to say that um, not most of the of the fans, but probably uh, 40 or 50% of them will think that the real leader, the, the real heart of this team is Cory Higgins. And uh, if we check Clutch time, uh, maybe they yeah. are right. Corey Higgins, yeah, Corey Higgins, uh, Corey Higgins maybe is maybe, maybe is one of the players that got uh, a bit uh, underestimated on this top 100. But again, it's it's uh, there are many factors that determine the ranking. For example, Will Clyburn uh, went above Corey Higgins. Will Clyburn didn't make the final four, but Will Clyburn was there for Jessica Moscow when Jessica Moscow didn't have Mike James, but Jessica Moscow had injured players. He was uh, he had the big time performance in the, against Fenerbahce. Again, I'm saying this because there are many factors that determine the ranking. For example, these are the reasons that Will Kleiber went higher than uh, than Corey Higgins in the top 100, for example. And uh, many people uh, were commenting why Jan Vesely is above Eddie Tavares. Well, Jan Vesely, uh, after Fenerbahce, you know, made the recovery and began, you know, adv- proceeding towards the playoff course. Jan Vesely was phenomenal. He was amazing. He was he was playing better, and I truly believe that that his MVP season. He was uh, really great, and uh, with him on board, uh, I really think that Fenerbahce would have made the final four. Anyway, uh, we have uh, really over. We are really past the 30-minute mark of our podcast, and uh, our friend Kostis Tezis will have a lot of job to do in our. Uh, in our editing. So, to finish uh, our discussion for our first Europod of the season, guys, it's simple. What I want from you is your predictions uh, of the main, of the most important games of the beginning. Uh, the season begins with Monaco hosting Panathinaikos, seven, uh, seven on the afternoon, uh, on the evening, maybe. Uh, it's afternoon only in Greece. Seven CT. Uh, also in Spain. Yes. What? <laughs> okay. Monaco against Panathinaikos, the newcomer against one of the best Euroleague teams ever, and Mike James facing his former team. Maccabi Tel Aviv against uh, Bayern Munich. Um, Bayern Munich has so many injuries. Lutic is out. Walden is out. Uh, I've lost count to how many players uh, Bayern has out. Maccabi has great momentum. They just won the Winter League Cup and uh, they will definitely want to begin the season with a win. Milano against Ceseca Moscow. Now both these teams are at full strength. We are going to see a superb uh, battle, a rematch of last year's uh, third place game in Europe. Real Madrid against Anadolu FS. Again, a rematch of the of last season's quarterfinal series that FS won, of course, against Real Madrid. But this Real Madrid won't have any injury problems. Alex, everyone is on board for Real, right? Well, uh, you have to count with. Uh... Trey Tompkins and Anthony Randolph that uh, probably probably will be back on. I, I wasn't I wasn't even counting on them. 
to make it to, I'm talking about yeah. I'm talking about the squad that began the season, you know, the squad of the Super Cup, etc. Yeah, that, all the guys will be in. Uh, all uh, Alberto Abalde, uh, Rudy Fernandez, all of them will be with the team. Yeah, and uh, FS also at full strength. Unix Kazan against Zenit Saint Petersburg, the all Russian class. Fenerbahce Beko against Cervena Zvezda. I think that's that's going to be an easy win for Fener. As well against. I really the... want. Antonis, let me say that I really yeah. want to to see this year Nikola Ivanovic. After a great season season in EuroCup, I really want to see Nikola Ivanovic in EuroLeague. Yeah, it will be interesting to see him, you know, holding the the reins of a EuroLeague team and Cervena uh, Zvezda. Uh, and Nikola Kalinic returned to he returned last year as well, but uh, returned as a Cervena Zvezda player. As well, uh, Zalgiris, uh, very open game, in my opinion. Olympiakos Piraeus against Basconia, we talked already talked about this. Basconia may, may be minus two key players. And Barcelona, Alba, Berlin, anything else other than a 20 class point win by Barcelona will be a surprise, in my opinion. Guys, I want your predictions in, uh, I don't know, I want Armani Milano, Ceseca, Real FS, and uh, basically, these two games, uh, these are these are the games that I, I want your predictions right now. John, uh, what do you think about these two games? Armani, Ceseca and Real FS, the big games, uh, games that maybe we will see on the Final Four at the end of the year. Well, I believe uh, road teams will win in both games. Wow, good oh, prediction oh, by John. Oh, really? You want me to justify it? I don't know. I don't know. I think they say. I have the same idea, but uh, you know, uh, now I have to change my prediction. Would be fair <laughs> if, we, if all of us say the same result. I believe uh, Milano is getting older each year. That's why. Well, probably yeah. all, all the players are getting older. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I get what John means. Uh, because Milano was already, guys. Milano was already, you know, uh, a veteran, a really veteran team last year. So you have to add a year to that. Uh, yes, uh, this is why they got. Uh, also, also, Ceseca has Milutinov back, right? Yeah, and, and yes. we, and we, we, we all know what Milutinov did last year in Milano. He didn't let anyone else get a rebound. That's it, basically, what he did. Uh, he, he registered that record in offensive rebounds in EuroLeague. Uh, yeah, that that will be a, that will that will be an issue. Milutinov will be an issue because Milano doesn't have the size to match Milutinov. It's a problem, and you know, Karl Heinz. Um, I have huge respect for Karl Heinz, but once upon a time, Heinz could, you know, uh, match up great even against guys uh, of the height of Milutinov. But it it does it can't happen that easily now. So yeah, okay, John, Real FS. You believe that uh, FES uh, will just... No, I, I don't know how to just FED, but I, simply as that, I'm going to go with the reigning champions. So. Alex, you can begin with the Real FES game. Okay, I think that Real Madrid has to assemble. Um, in, a, in a way, they need to, to lose this game to not think that they are at, at this level right now. Because if, if they feel they can compete with a, a full FS team, uh, they will be in problems during the year. So let's start with how they fit and then let's improve during the season. Since we are on the Real Madrid uh, FS game, Antigoni, what's your take on this? 
it's really hard to tell at this point, but I will go with Ferrell just because it's very early in the season to make any safe prediction for a game. Uh, but I, I also want to put on the map of the games that we are discussing the EuroLeague opener, which is Monaco Panathinaikos, because... Go ahead. I will just say a name that has not been mentioned in this podcast yet, and I am kind of disappointed, quote-unquote. Rob Gray, the EuroCup Finals MVP last season. Good call, uh, everybody. And I am just so excited to see Mike James and Rob Gray together on the court. I think it's going to be one of the most powerful duos this season, no matter how far Monaco goes. So that uh, for a season opener against the Mathnagos, I think it's going to be very interesting to watch. Uh, Antigoni, what do you think? And uh, Danilo and Jesse will be able to touch the ball or not really? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Wow. It's, it's true that, it's true that uh, you know, with Mike James, I mean, which team would say no to Mike James? No team would say no to Mike James. And for a team like Monaco, a player like Mike James is a luxury right now. But they really have an overcrowded backcourt. There's also Paris Lee. So, uh, Westerman, so, Leo Westerman as well. Leo Westerman, yeah. I mean, Leo Westerman at least is, uh, is different than the other players. His role will be somewhat different. But, you know, the other guys want the ball in their hands and to score Rob Gray can execute without the ball on his hands, you know, yeah, he just he, he can be, you know, lethal in cuts and such situations. But yeah, Mike James will need the ball. Paris Lee likes to have the ball. Andrews needs to have the ball. A challenge for Panathinaikos defense as well, John. All these guards. Was that the question for me? Yeah, I mean, uh, the guards of uh, Monaco, Mike James, Rob Gray, Danilo Andrews. Yeah, uh, Panathinaikos is missing a player uh, on the guards. Since last year, uh, I still can't believe they haven't got one already. You're talking but, about the playmaker. Uh, but uh, Kedrick Perry is doing well. He's doing well uh, this time of the year. He's, uh, he's stepped up uh, in the last uh, two official games in the Greek Super Cup. And uh, there's also Howard Sandros. I mean, he can uh, drop any time from uh, small forward to point guard. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I believe uh, Monaco will do better uh, this time of the year because they are stacked on the on the guards. I mean, they say basketball is a game for the tall ones, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you need the point guard as well to to manage your team. Yeah, Monaco has. Of course, he hasn't got uh, that one player. I mean, since since uh, Nick Kalathis went to Barcelona, they don't have him. You are talking about, you know, the, the pass-first point guard, the playmaker, the conductor, the facilitator, the guy who will create. Yeah, that, that's a that's a, a notable absence for uh, Panathinaikos. Anyway, we will we'll see. It will be a, a very interesting match, a very interesting matchup, and a really, a really, a really solid uh, game to open the new season's uh, Euroleague. Uh, where were we? Uh, and to close this discussion that has gone to 45 minutes, oh, wow, because this, uh, I don't know, I feel sorry for you, man, that <laughs> you have to edit all this. Armani Ceseca. Adigoni, give us a name for Armani Ceseca. Oh, Ceseca. Ceseca. Alex? I'll go with that. 
Oh, I'm going with Cesca as well. Yeah, me too. Cesca, I believe that uh, they will they will easily beat Milan. Milan has some problems. They haven't clicked enough yet. They looked uh, a bit tired in the Italian uh, Super Cup where they lost to Virtus Bologna. Anyway, we will see. So, guys, thank you so so much for being with us in our first Euro pod of the season. John Ramos for the Greek edition to Euro Hoops. Thank you very much, John. Alex Madrid for the for the head of the Spanish edition <laughs> Euro Hoops. And thank you guys. Uh, Adigoni, thank you. And uh, of course, me and Adigoni, Adigoni and me will be together for you each week. We will uh, have another podcast up next week after the comp- to discuss about the first round and hopefully have a guest with us, right, Adigoni? Yes, so stay tuned and don't forget to, you know, renew our page on the streaming platforms to find the new podcast. Yes, we still haven't uh, finalized the details about it, but we'll definitely have the, op- the podcast up of, on Spotify. That I know, again, this is a preview, this is a, a test podcast, if we will, because we just had to make a, a preview for the new EuroLeague season two days before uh, the opening round and the opening game between us, Monaco, the EuroLeague newcomer, and Panathinaikos, uh, Athens, one of the uh, best teams ever in EuroLeague history. So, thank you guys and girl, and uh, thank you to our listeners. Stay tuned, subscribe. We're going to have plenty more uh, podcasts coming, plenty more surprises, plenty more interesting guests, players, coaches, uh, executives, you name it. We will have everyone that you will be interested to hear their opinions and input on EuroLeague basketball. Farewell.